Hey, man. Good to see you. Good to see you, too. Thanks for being here. Um, for everyone joining, Elliot uh, is, a, is a partner at Bessemer Venture Partners in San Francisco, uh, focused primarily on growth investments in SaaS and cloud companies. Uh, prior to joining, uh, he was at Syncom Venture Partners, uh, Georgian, Georgian Partners, and also M12. Uh, Elliot got his MBA at Columbia Business School and a bachelor's in science and mathematics from Morehouse College. Um, and he's also a member of the Kaufman Fellow Class of, of 22. Um, Elliot, really appreciate you being here. Um, just to kick off, you know, we'd love to hear how you're doing. Um, some of the biggest changes you, you may or may not have seen coming in, in this sort of work from home setup that you're starting to get used to. Yeah, for sure. So um, what I'm most nervous about is that this recording will pick up my wife, who's in our guest bedroom. She's on a bunch of Zoom calls as well. So I think personally, that's probably the biggest change, which is moving around rooms and how do we deal with the dog walking through meetings. But luckily, just about everyone's in this situation, so they understand. My dog jumped up into my lap yesterday, <laughs> which prompted a CMO to bring in his kid and his dog, who I think were like just off camera. And it's, I Love think it. it's, um, kind of breaking the rules of how typical meetings are done and people are just saying, okay, screw it. The, the weirdest thing is if this is like week two of a three month thing, uh, I don't know where we'll be in three months. People will just be doing Zooms and pajamas and just say, <laughs> screw it. Um, but things are well, man. I, I can't complain. And um, at, least, at least the weather's really nice here. So I, I'm getting my, my walks in with my dog and uh, trying to stay as healthy as I can. That's awesome. Um, so I see the Peloton in the background and I, I know uh, just from knowing you personally, you're, you're a big rider. So love to see that you still got your setup there. Um, walk me through just a little bit of, you know, some of the things that you're seeing Bessemer do um, in particular um, around just communicating uh, with the team, making sure everyone's staying on the same page through this. Sure. I, I mean, I'll, I'll just say personally, one of the best parts about uh, this remote work environment as a firm, um, you know, we, we do believe in getting together in person and trying to communicate. <clears throat> but we've also really wanted to limit uh, email over time. And since we've all been working remote, Slack has really been super active and way more active than it usually has been. I think in a world where we know we're on the early stages of um, this COVID crisis, uh, it's also allowed us to be um, super serious in moments, but also super kind of lighthearted in moments. And people are sharing more things personally because everyone's working at home. So I've sent out pictures of my dog and like a Bessemer dog t-shirt. I've seen pictures of folks kids and their significant others and their homes and uh, it's actually it's going to sound weird but it's been a really kind of personal yeah. uh, touch point with it's a lot intimate of intimate in a way yeah it's, it's very intimate i mean most people at my firm i think there's maybe four or five people that have been to my house for drinks or dinner i feel like everyone now they've all been there <laughs> every part of my home because I, I try to move the computer around just for my own sanity yeah. Um, so Slack has been a big thing. Uh, we actually have our first firm-wide uh, Peloton ride tomorrow. Uh, at one. So we'll talk about some things we're doing with our portfolio tomorrow. And then because we're all going to be on the same schedule, we have two big blocks where we know kind of everyone, uh, on the, at least on the investment side, will be doing the same thing. In between those things, we're doing our first uh, team-wide Peloton ride. And we're also booking in other Peloton things, whether it's a yoga class or a stretching class or a meditation class, which is kind of cool, right? I mean, it's one of the Absolutely. few companies uh, that's probably doing pretty well right now. I've certainly got a lot of friends that have signed up for the free 90-day app, and 
I'm streaming classes that I never thought I'd be doing. Uh, Elliot doing yoga at home was not on the list. I was primarily a bike person, but I got a lot of free time. So. Love it. Love it. Uh, and then the last thing I'll say is uh, I think like everyone, it's got us spending a lot more time thinking about the portfolio. So in a world where let's say 60% of my time was focused on uh, sourcing and analyzing new deals or getting closer to companies and founding teams. Uh, now probably 80% of my time is focused on the portfolio and helping management teams solve challenges, plan for the future, a very uncertain future at that. Um, but also just helping my partners think through uh, common challenges and unique challenges that, that all of us are facing in our portfolio. So that's kind of a full, full circle side of the answer, which brings you back to, although I'm not seeing my partners, I'm talking to them a lot more uh, than I usually would, where people are flying everywhere and board meetings everywhere and looking at deals. Everyone's kind of at home and yeah. I've got three or four partners I've talked to this week about unique challenges in their portfolio. I don't have a whole lot of like unique insight or anything like that, but having lived through the, the 08 to 2010 where uh, flat was the new growth. I kind of remember that. And some of my partners either were doing something else or maybe, um, you know, experienced it in a different way. So it, it's been nice to get to know them in a, in a, in a new way as well. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, let's just talk about a little bit of that communication between investor sure. and portfolio. You've, you've spent many years on boards. You know, what are the things that you're sharing with CEOs right now? Um, and then also just tangentially, you know, how are you getting information? Where, what are the sources that you're looking to, um, to just sort of stay up to date or, or in the know? Yeah, you know, it's funny. Um, I'll be totally transparent and say over my almost 15 years in venture and growth, like the, the proliferation of the community side of your portfolio, you know, we, you know, most funds have like a community manager or, you know, people that bring CMOs together, CFOs together, COOs together. I always thought it was a, a nice to have for most of my career, but like in a time like this, it's a really must have thing. Um, because a lot of these folks are seeing things for the first time and in a world where we've got, you know, more than 200 portfolio companies, <clears throat> it's impossible for us to get every question answered in context, uh, in roles and, and um, you know, parts of the company that we might not know as well. So, you know, I'll give you an example. Uh, yesterday, I did an hour call with the CMO of Shopify. Now, I'm not on the board of Shopify. My partner, Jeremy, is. Um, you know, we've been in that company for a really, really long time. But given his experience, having seen Shopify's growth and then, you know, really, um, important growth stories at other companies. He's very analytical as, as a growth marketer. And I had questions from across the portfolio that marketing experts and, and operators were asking me. I just started writing them down. Yeah. We've got this incredible community of CMOs, but even on top of that, we've got this community of EIRs where I've got a lot of questions that I don't have great answers to. Most CFO yeah. questions, COO, maybe CEO questions, I, I feel pretty confident on. But marketing, that's the yeah. one class yeah. Uh, in business school where I really struggled. The seven P's and the five S's, all my marketing people listening to this are probably laughing because I know those are the wrong numbers. But you're in business school now, so you're probably going through it. Um, the only marketing class I did well on was Consumer Insights because then we were doing regression modeling 
on uh, survey results. I can do that all day long, but uh, kind of the softer side of marketing, I don't understand. And that's yeah. actually really important in an interesting time like this. One of my companies has totally changed its messaging on its website and its email marketing and its digital marketing for the crisis. Um, you know, in the world where your value prop is this big, in a crisis, you might want to slim it down to the two or three yeah. things that'll break through. Interesting. Uh, and that was something that the CMO of Shopify was super helpful and and helping me think through. Even for them, think about them. They're serving small business owners. Yeah. They're probably the first people to get hurt in a crisis right. like this. Their marketing messages are going to be totally different, not just to their existing customers, but um, their new ones. So I would say I'm I'm gleaning most information from our community uh, of operators, CEO yeah. and down. Uh, my partners, many of which who've been in this twice as long as I have, um, and then our investors that uh, here at Bessemer that were operators turned investors. So someone like Byron uh, at the firm, I talked to a lot. I, I think I was texting with him last night at 11:30, just about, "Hey man, do you remember when you were a venture-backed CEO right. and you faced challenges like this? How are you?" It's not that the, the advice we're giving is different, but he's uniquely qualified to deliver those messages in a way as an operator, as a CEO and founder. Um, so I'm even gleaning from him. So, you know, I've got my own experience and I'm bringing that to bear. But with the, the extra time that I've got, I, I'm able to think through that feedback loop and how I'm delivering that information. Um, more critically. Let's talk um, specifically about um, what sort of Jeff Epstein runs at Bessemer, the CFO. Yeah, kind of community. I, I know that that's, uh, you know, a, a little more specific to Bessemer. I think you guys are, are, are one of the, the better sort of suited firms to have sort of CFO specific sure. uh, credibility. Would love to hear what he's working on um, or any, anything in particular that you're gleaning out of that. Sure. So um, as you mentioned, uh, Jeff Epstein does run our CFO forum, our CFO council. I'm not sure what the actual term is, but Jeff is um, who I refer to as uh, my secret weapon at the firm. Uh, he was CFO of Oracle. So when you think about the fact that most of our investments are in software, uh, global in nature, and mostly focused on enterprise, uh, he's just seen it all. But he was also CFO of uh, DoubleClip and a bunch of other companies that different business models might be more consumer centric, uh, maybe not in their, their end customer, but just their business model and, and their ecosystem. Um, you know, I... I have spent a lot of time, you know, our CFO council is always working, but you can imagine in the last three weeks, it's like the most active thing we have in our community. So, um, you know, for the first time tomorrow, we're doing a, a CFO forum town hall. Uh, as investors, we're not dialing in because we want our CFOs and we've opened it up to CEOs and CEOs as well to be able to talk openly about challenges they're facing. How do they talk to people about potential furloughs, cut and pay, and then the, the you know, the most real cases, we're, we're going through some rifts and some layoffs. Mm -hmm. um, it's just a fact. But the other thing, you know, going back to your first question, where are we getting information? There's actually a lot of, I wouldn't even call it like misinformation or fake news, that's lazy. It's just there's a lot of um, information floating around on social media right now that may or may not be true. Um, so it's a safe space for if a CFO reads something on Twitter and says, oh man, like, should I totally be rethinking my RIF planning? They can put it up in the CFO forum. Right. And then maybe there's another CFO that actually spoke to yep. uh, the governor's office or the mayor's office in New York or LA or San Francisco. 
or even statewide or federal. And they say, no, I just got off the call. This is the latest and greatest. That tweet is actually three days old. And as you can imagine, and you've seen news is developing in like a two hour news cycle online. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's really great for them to have a safe space. And then bringing CEOs in who are going to deal with the brunt of the decisions that CFOs are, are kind of giving them the information to make. It's just like a really tangible way. Look, VCs are trying to do the best they can by tweeting and medium posting. That's great. But like, sometimes you just need to be on a phone. Yeah. You know, sometimes it's, it's a bit therapeutic too. I mean, hitting the clap button or a heart button on a tweet or medium post is nice, but uh, yep. And even typing into the comment section can be cool, but sometimes you really need to just tell someone, guys, I'm really having a challenge thinking about getting yeah. rid of 30% of my workforce. Oh, that's a great platform. And, and, you know, how do I do that? And someone like Jeff, who's seen it all, has gone through the analysis, um, all the questions we've gathered ahead of the, the town hall, um, I imagine we'll be doing these, I think we're talking about doing them maybe even every week to start and then maybe every other week or every month as we that's go great. through. Um, let's talk a little bit about, about hiring, whether that's portfolio companies or, or even Bessemer and, and, and venture firms. You know, a lot of people had candidates lined up and, and were excited to sort of, you know, sort of tear in offers over the next few months. I mean, how do, how do you, do you maintain that? Do you push it off? Do you start over after this? Just kind of, how are you thinking about that? Yeah, this is a, uh a really unique situation that we're in. You're in business school. Luckily, you're in your first year. Um, and you've got a different uh, situation going into business school. But, you know, I've talked to probably 20 or 30 candidates in the last month and change about full-time roles post-business school, as well as a potential uh, pre-business school kind of two to three year run, um, where I'd be delighted to, to get someone some experience who's really hardworking and then help them get into business school. Yeah. And the reality is, you know, while Bessemer is one of the larger venture firms, I'd put us in kind of that uh, larger 10% bucket that's got more than 40 or 50 investment professionals globally. Even at that scale, hiring two or three people in, it's a large percentage of, of your, your uh, employee base on the investment side. And the average venture firm that might be a, a couple of partners and some junior folks, that one hire you make every year or two, that's 10% of your workforce. Yeah. So to, to try to hire that person and screen everyone out over Zoom, I happen to know you, so a, com yeah. a conversation like this is super <laughs> comfortable for me. Yeah. Um, and I've known you for a couple of years. Most of these people I'm meeting for the first time. Yeah. Um, and the idea that between now and maybe August, where we would have already made a decision, talked about you know moving to the West Coast or staying here on the West Coast. Not only will I not get a chance to meet these people in person, uh, my partners and my uh, other investment professionals and operating professionals, they might not get a chance to meet these people. Yeah. So that has totally changed the way that I'm thinking about interviewing people, how I'm thinking about doing case study work, um, how I'm thinking about trying to change questions to figure out the interpersonal side over Zoom, yeah, which is really challenging. And then the last note on the, this topic is, you know, even internally, if you're managing a venture fund or a private equity fund, um, you might have students that are, I'm sorry, um, professionals that might be ingoing students to business school or thinking about business school, that mindset might have totally changed. Yeah, They might say, hey, I've got a secure job here. 
I'm going to defer business school for a year. Yeah. Or for the people that, you know, may or may not have a future at your firm, they might not have the ability to interview. So you might want to think about them a little bit differently. Yeah. Because if you can't bring in their replacement and then that person can't find a new opportunity, maybe they hang out for another three or four months. <laughs> so you have people. Um, so it's, it's, you know, look, let me be clear. Um, it's nothing like running a, a couple hundred employees startup. Sure. Um, but we've got our unique challenges too, and we're trying to be as thoughtful as possible yeah. and, and progressing. Super interesting. Um, let's talk a little bit about just investing um, for some of the VCs that may be listening. You know, best practices around sourcing when you can't get on a plane and, and get to Utah or, or get to New yeah. York. You know, what are some of the things that you think will work well in this setup for you? Um, and, and maybe, frankly, might be advantages where otherwise, you know, it, it could have been looked at as a disadvantage. You know, how are you thinking about sourcing and getting in front of founders and still building that relationship? Sure. So um, totally selfishly, I've got two thoughts on this. One, um, this is like a dream scenario for someone like me. I'm focused on growth where, you know, the volume of deals that I look at is a little bit slower than some of my uh, earlier stage partners that are seeing a bunch of really small companies all the time. The funnel is just different um, as you go through different stages. Um, and what this allows me to do where typically I've got so many things going on, my pipeline is going to be the same for the most part is like Brad at Lightspeed. We're looking at the same batch of kind of 50 companies every quarter or two. Um, I've usually been able to um, stretch my own limits in terms of sleep and time to find very unique ways to understand these companies and really the founding team and management. Um, so going into a deal situation, I like to spend somewhere between uh, kind of four and five hours really getting to know management. Uh, yeah. And that's usually virtually. Um, so that's listening to every podcast interview they've done the last two years. That's looking at every YouTube speech they've given or product demo. Uh, it's allowing me to go to their website. And when that little box says, do you want a demo? Hey, I got tons of time for demo now. Uh, so I'm building a more robust um, kind of uh, pre-diligence package on, let's call it the 20 companies that I care about right now or for the rest of the year. I don't know what right now or the rest of the year really means yeah. in, the, in the coronavirus environment, but typically, uh, being on a plane a couple of times a week and in normal times, I'm listening to podcasts and airports and Ubers. Uh, the last deal I just closed, I was listening to um, like an hour long podcast from Newark airport to the meeting, which made for a really uh, exciting conversation to start. And then, you know, we kind of built on that. So whether it's reading people's Twitter handles, their medium posts, uh, interviews, presentations, reading about the company, going back through, looking at how their website changed over time, which is something that most investors don't do to understand their own marketing message and how it's evolved. Um, you know, I, I have every day kind of dedicated to two companies that I'm interested in. So yeah. I'm even smarter at the time um, when, it, when an investment opportunity might arise. I usually just don't get that time. Yeah. Um, so, you know, to your question on sourcing, like I, I pretty much know two quarters in advance, the companies that I'm excited about. Um, it's more so about, you know, being more thoughtful going into a, a pre-diligence uh, conversation. And now I'm in this, the, the last thing I'll say on this is, I, I sat down with uh, my colleague that helps with some of my, my meeting scheduling and 
we basically three weeks ago said, okay, everything the next two months has to move to Zoom. So then in conversations like this, the ability to connect with someone more personally about something they shared in an interview or during a presentation or something you saw them write two years ago that really stuck out. You know, I'm in a world now where I don't have the opportunity to connect with you personally, yeah. uh, but if there's a way that I can connect with you uniquely over Zoom, yeah. uh, maybe in a more personal way, because I'm likely going to see your significant other, or you're going to meet my dog walking around. Um, there's some yeah. things that oh, it's interesting. have usually uh, um, done well for me that I'm, I'm able to double down on in a time where I've got a lot. I had, um, had Jameson Hill from, uh, from Bain on here a couple of days ago, and, and he actually talked about shifting all of his not only coffee chats but his calls to zooms and, and yeah. really just allowing himself to just continue to have that social interaction sort of the importance of seeing people right now seeing people smile in and, and yeah. just kind of getting through it together um last one for you um would love to just talk a little bit you know you're you're a unit economics guy um you know how do you think about forecasting revenue i, I feel like a lot of people are looking at you know, what I'll call demand resurgence optimism. You know, it's this sense that as soon as we get out of this, everything's going to pick up and there will be a premium on top and everything will yeah. get back to normal. You know, how do you bake in or layer in some of these changes more than just, you know, two, three, four months down the road? Yeah, it's a really nuanced question and response. So I think every business model has to reforecast the future differently. And I'll touch on a couple. So um, you can imagine, um, I know the things that we've talked about from investment opportunities, vertical SaaS, to touch on one, has been an incredible investment thesis in the area over the last 10 years. The problem with vertical SaaS in a, in a unique kind of coronavirus environment is there's some verticals that are getting hammered. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, as a, as a firm that's got some investments in SaaS companies for the restaurant industry. Like that is a totally different business forecast uh, than a, a company that might be in uh, data backup and recovery. Sure. That stuff still kind of has to be there. Um, yeah. And if you're well vertically integrated and you've got a really deep product and value prop and, and disaster recovery, that might actually be a really solid business. Yeah. Um, you know, some of our consumer investments that touch like the event space or the ticketing space Re like reforecast <laughs> yeah that, that reforecast is probably an easier uh, yeah. situation at least on the top line what you do on the bottom line now that's a really really hard yeah uh, discussion to have um but like this at the end of the day the the unit economics that that made me really excited about businesses i invested in the last five years those still hold yeah. so uh, gross margin payback period is still going to be my number one unit economic indicator of success. Yeah. And for me, that's just based on your business model, delivery model, COGS, how many months does it take for you to, to get a customer profitable? Yep. And in a world where, you know, churn is going to increase most likely across every sector, that's even more important because if your CAC is really high and it takes you 22 months to turn someone profitable on a gross margin effective basis, that 20, the next 22 months could be a total wasteland. Yep. Um, and then let's say we make it six months out of this and now you're bringing in new customers. Now you got to wait another 22 months to turn them profitable. Yep. So the businesses that were in that kind of six to 12 month range, they've just got a better situation if they are able to cut costs, keep churn, relatively okay and then to use your term i think it was um 
demand, demand side resurgence optimism or something. <laughs> you know, when that when the spigot yeah. does turn back on, uh, they can start to see operating leverage in their business model quicker than your average. So that's a foray into the last nuance, which is if you're an enterprise, like a large enterprise go-to-market motion, uh, you should probably be thinking about what are we in? We're in March, like 2020 is kind of done, right? Like if it, if it's a six month sales cycle, yeah. the average enterprise is, is uh, it's just not going to buy right now. Yep. Now there's certain business models and, and value props where they, they still might buy knock on wood. My last investment closed a new deal two days ago. Yeah. Uh, but their and their um, value prop is actually about reducing costs in certain workflows. So that it actually, they might be well positioned. Yeah. Um, and then the last thing I'll touch on is, you know, the whole uh, remote work and remote productivity. Uh, first investment here at Bessemer was in Hinge Health. And yeah. that's, you know, it's the easier way to think about it. It's, it's um, remote health care for MSK patients. So anything with a hinge, an elbow, a neck, a back, a shoulder. There are, uh, most of those patients see physical trainers in person. Yeah. They can't do that right now. So a company like that has this unique situation where it's like, oh, well, people are pulling back on what they're going to buy. But there's a whole new market opportunity where physical trainers are reaching out to the company saying, is there any way I can use your platform? Yeah. Because I still need to meet with these patients in order for me to get paid and submit my billing codes. But I can't do it right now. I don't have a solution. Zoom might work for them, but having you know, a really robust thing that comes with content, a way to track, a way to bill uh that's a unique model so you know I, I think it goes from business model to business model from vertical to vertical um and you know I, I woke up this morning early at like six to see uh ray dalio talk on cnbc i just want to get a sense of what's on his mind and of course he's on tv and i'm sure his hedge fund was well positioned before he said whatever he was going to say but when he talked about four trillion of corporate losses in the u.s and 12 trillion uh globally yeah i mean you you think about how that impacts your forecast if you're an enterprise software company going forward. And yeah, I, the last thing I'd say is I think you've got to um, really sit down with your management team and your board and figure out what is acceptable burn for us. Mm -hmm. How do we get 18 to 24 months of runway? Yep. Um, and, and we've just got to make some hard decisions now and hope that if we do it the right way, those employees uh, feel good about how we did it and might come back when the demand resurgence yeah. optimization thing kicks in. Uh, and they'd be really proud to come back and work with the company. And then yeah. hopefully the impact on your end customer isn't such, or, or you communicate and work with them in a way that they'll stick with you. Or if they need to drop off for a couple of months till they figure out their business, they'll be some of the first to come back. So the decisions you make now, an Excel model is just numbers in an Excel model. It's really how you execute those changes in the real world and on a human level um, that'll allow you to, to ride the, the wave back up. Amazing. Um, super insightful. Really appreciate you being here. Uh, Elliot Robinson from Bessemer Venture Partners. Thanks so much, brother. Of course, Good to man. see you. All Take right, care. Thanks.